CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, we're live at the NASDAQ in Times Square, and look who decided to join us tonight. Tim Seymour making his big auctions action debut. While Tim and the rest of the gang are getting ready, here's what's coming up on the show. Yeah, that's what chip stocks have been doing. But if you missed the move, Dan Nathan thinks there's one name you can still buy. He will break it down. Plus, pot stocks are, well, yeah, something like that. And Lake Co's got a way to get long canopy growth for under three bucks. It's a smoking hot trade, and he will break it down. And with retail earnings continuing next week, options traders smell a bargain in one name in particular. It's time to risk less and make more. The action begins right now. And we start tonight with a raging retail rally, taking a bit of a breather today. But the XRT retail ETF still up more than 20% from its 2018 low and on track for its best year since 2013. It could get even hotter next week when a handful of specialty retailers report. Lululemon on a tear this year could see a more than 9% move in either direction. Best Buy, Tiffany, Ulta, Dollar Tree also pricing in some pretty big moves. So should you buy any of these names here? Let's get in the money. Mike, you are looking at Lulu. I am looking at Lulu. This has long been on what I call the holiday index. It's one of my wife's favorite brands for sure. And I've observed that the popularity of it just in terms of using it as casual wear also remains intact. Not but the you. stock has had, you know, she actually has bought me some items because there is of now course. increasingly men's Men. products yeah. available there is, at Lululemon. I think the question a lot of people probably have about it. Number one, the stock has obviously had a very large run. Secondly, it's trading at a big premium to a lot of other retail names. I think that might actually be deserved, though. And I think there are ways that we can look to play the stock going into earnings, which is implying a more than 9% move using those elevated options premiums to make a bullish bet, but trying to avoid the possibility that there could be a short-term pullback if it doesn't end up hitting on all cylinders. And the way I'm looking at that was I was just looking at September. I was looking at the September 130, 140, 155 call spread risk reversal, selling the 130 puts at 225, buying the 140 calls at 635, and then selling the 155 calls at $1.75. And the idea here is that we get participation above 140. We mitigate the amount of premium we're spending fairly considerably by collecting $4 on those two strikes that we're selling. And in this way, we can, even if the stock doesn't move that much, although it is implying a fairly big move, uh, we'll probably do pretty well. And we're obviously going to avoid that first eight bucks or so, based nine bucks actually, based on where it closed today of downside, if it should go that way. Dan, what do you think of the trade? Well, interesting trade, especially, you know, I don't know if you just showed a chart here. This thing has gone parabolic. You know, it spent five years, six years trading between 40 and 80 bucks. When it broke out earlier this year, it's been up in a straight line. So when Mike says, you know, you get $8 a downside kind of like, you know, wishy-washy room, if you're wrong, that makes me a little nervous in a name like this because of the valuation, because of the move it's had. I think that that short put is really the most important part of this trade. If you're an investor thinking about 
getting long for this earnings event because this is, in my mind, this is a stock that could be down 15, 20% on a miss and a guide down. So that's the most risk. But if you're really confident and you were going to go out and buy the stock, I guess I prefer this trade structure to buying the stock right here in front of the print. Yeah, I think that's the idea here. Is this a way that we can try to get long the stock and mitigate the possibility of a downside move while still capturing what's implied to the upside? And that's really what I'm trying to do here. Obviously, there's a couple things that we don't know yet. For example, you know, geographically, are they going to get more overseas sales, things like that? You obviously have something to say. Let's hear well, it. Well, yeah. I mean, first of all, my wife definitely has bought me a lot of Lulu, and I'm wearing it all the time. No, I, I, I like Mike's trade for the following reasons. Also, you know, essentially, you could have this stock put to you at around 125, and that's a level on the stock that also is where we essentially gap to after Q1 earnings, and a level that it probably can hold. So Dan pointed out there could be significant downside, but it is a stock. You know, it's 75% up in the last six months. It's 175 in the last 18 months. It's a valuation that's not cheap. So you're playing for a pop on these earnings that gets you up in that range. But at some point, somewhere at the top end of that where you're capped out, uh, you know, I think it's probably a great time to get out. You know, one thing I will say, and this sort of defends Dan's position a little bit, and maybe yours too, which is that if you have some concerns that it is going to have a pullback, it is possible to do a portion of a trade, not the whole thing. I happen to think that options premiums are probably implying a move that's larger than we're going to get, which is the reason. I'm comfortable selling that downside put. But if you only want to have that upside participation and you say, you know what, I don't need the extra 2% of the current stock price I would collect by selling that put, then go ahead and buy the calls. And you're still going to have that upside participation. If the stock, the downside of that is that if the stock goes sideways or only has a modest move one way or the other, that trade is less likely to make money. Are you optimistic, Mike, about retail in general? Uh, well, we haven't. I mean, we, we did see Given some. The run. Uh, yeah, I mean, we've we had a strong run. Number one. Yeah. Number two, we saw some weakness late this week. I think from a lot of space. But that's this is an idiosyncratic name, right? Okay. I, I wouldn't necessarily characterize something like a specialty retailer where they basically op, you know, operate at the pinnacle of their product suite um, relative to everybody else. So I look at this a little bit uh, on its own. Dan, last word. Yeah, I mean, listen, we're, we've gotten a little complacent. The stock market is at the all-time highs, so some of the riskier names. I think you just want to be cognizant about selling puts because in a stock like this, if you get it wrong, you're going to be put that stock at a potentially much higher level than where it's trading after a potentially volatile event. That's all I'm trying to say. A little caution here. All right. Good advice. From one hot group to another, the chip stocks have gone wild. The SMH having its best week in four months. The biggest names leading the pack, AMD up a whopping 21%, NVIDIA surging 11%, Micron up 8%. Dan, you're taking a look at one chip stock that uh, you think is about to join the party. What is it? Well, listen, you know, it's Intel. And, and one of the reasons, that, listen, I've been very cautious on the semis for a whole host of reasons. Um, but about a few weeks ago, um, I detailed a bullish idea in AMD. And for some of the reasons that I was bullish on AMD, a few weeks ago is why I think it makes sense to start to look at Intel again as we start to think about what the back half of the year looks like. You know, this stock was up 25% on June 1st. That's uh, Intel. Um, and this was before a whole host of things happened. Um, you know, in June, their CEO resigned. Uh, and then in July, they guided Q3 down. Um, data center sales weren't as much as expected, despite being up 27%. Um, there was a couple <coughs> other issues with the quarter, causing some people to say, hey, maybe AMD is starting to eat their lunch a little bit because of the delay in their next generation 10 nanometer chip. So here's the thing. The stock has come in 17 it's up 3% of the year. Um, I think analysts have de-risked at least 2019 estimates considerably. You know, earnings this year are supposed to grow 20% year over year. Next year, they're supposed to grow 3%. 
Here's the thing, okay? The stock trades 11 times earnings. They have a massive buyback in place, 2.5% dividend yield. We know that data center is going to be 50% of their sales. We think that there's a good chance that Mobileye starts kicking in, IoT, which is their Altera, AI chips, all these sorts of things. As you start positioning for 2019, you got to start focusing on their Q3 print, which is going to be on October 25th. But here's the deal. The stock just bounced off support. We have a one-year chart right here. 46 bucks seems like an important level. There's an air pocket down to 42, which is one of the reasons why if you're going to be contrarian right now when all the other chips are doing a lot better, I think you want to define your risk. The trade I want to do is something we talk about pretty often. I want to bide a little time here in Intel. I want to buy a longer dated call, but I want to help finance it by selling a shorter dated one using a call calendar. So today, when the stock was trading at 46 and a half, you could buy the September, November 46 and a half call calendar paying 95 cents for that, selling one of the September 50 calls at 30 cents and buying one of the November 50 calls for $1.25. Your max cost is 95 cents. And that is your max risk. It breaks even at 50.95 on November expiration. What I'd like to have do is this stock move gradually over the next few weeks to September expiration up towards that 50 strike. Have the September's expire worthless. I own the November 90, uh, excuse me, uh, 50 call for 95 cents. And at that point, I start really thinking about this earnings event in late October and possibly sell a higher strike call in November, making a vertical call spread, reducing my premium at risk. You know, I, I like the structure. It's interesting because by selling that shorter dated call, usually I don't like to see sales of options that are about a month out that are less than 1% of the stock price. You're collecting 30 cents here relative to an almost $50 away, right? stock I mean, price. Right? But, the, but the flip side of that is that you aren't choosing an at-the-money call calendar here. This is slightly out of the money. The stock's going to have to run 5% to the upside in the next 30 days before you really regret having that. And even if it does run that much or a little bit more, the decay that you're going to get out of that short call relative to the one that you own is probably going to make, you know, make some sense unless the stock really guns in the short term. And without the earnings catalyst, which you own with November but do not with September, that actually, you know, there is some reason why you wouldn't expect it to have that kind of a strong run. AMD, obviously, that was a great bullish call that you made there. And we've seen, you know, quite a lot of action out of that one already. Well, I like the fundamental setup. Uh, Dan pointed out the valuation is very attractive. Bottom line in semis, you could go either way on the group. You, you've actually seen a downtrend line from uh, essentially where we were in March. They've done nothing since then. And in fact, they've been struggling to get above a downtrend line, but they've been making higher lows. And, and you get to a place here where I think with Intel, a uh, high quality company, I think second half of the year, the, the, the slower growth in data center is well flagged at this point. They've got a product release end of 2019. I think they're actually competing heavily in 10 nano. So I, I like Dan's call. I get about being called away at 50, although it's not like you can't protect yourself there as well. All right. For everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you're there, you can sign up for our newsletter. Rumor has it Tim has studied it all day in preparation for this show. Here's what's coming up next. Pot stocks have been growing like a weed, and Mike Co. has a way to get long shares of canopy growth for less than three bucks. Plus, calling all Options Action fans, reach into your pocket. Grab your phone and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.
Welcome back to Options Action. Pot stocks have been on fire this month, so what is behind all the flower power? Dom choosing the newsroom, breaking it down. Hey, Dom. Well, Melissa, pot stocks have been growing like weed, especially today when some of the bigger names in the industry that was once pretty small have made some big upside moves. Now, that was due in part to a Bloomberg BNN report that British spirits giant Diageo is holding serious discussions about a possible deal to get into the Canadian cannabis industry. That's per sources familiar. And that has made it a very constructive cannabis kind of month. So here's a look at some of the standouts from America's neighbor north of the border, A. Canadian-based medical marijuana company Aurora Cannabis has seen its U.S. traded depository receipts gain by around 20% just month to date. Another Canadian company that specializes in cannabis investments is Kronos, which is up around just around 60% this month. Canopy Growth, which is another medical marijuana company in Canada, up around 70%. And then there's Tilray, which is also in the medical marijuana thing north of the border. Shares have nearly doubled just in August and are up a lot since their July IPO price of 17 bucks a piece. Now, it's worth noting a lot of these upside names and the moves associated with them have happened on the heels of that nearly $4 billion investment that Constellation Brands made in Canopy for a large minority stake in the company with the ability to take a controlling interest down the line if it chooses. And Melissa, the hype around these cannabis stocks assumes some pretty aggressive growth targets in the future. Now it's about whether they can meet those high investor expectations or not. Back over to you. High expectations. Tom, thanks. Tom, to you in the newsroom. So how can you get in on this hot pot trade? Tim and Mike have both made their way over to the plaza for an options action tag team. Take a look at them. What a duo. Tim giving his case for one cannabis stock and Michael tag in, give us his options trade. So, Tim, kick it off. What name are you looking at? Well, we're talking we're looking at Canopy. Canopy Growth, again, the name at the center of this wonderful storm, which is the, the Constellation brands coming in there and having the ability actually to have 51 percent of this company through warrants right now. So the whole sector has been on fire. You have a dynamic here where I think there's a lot to do, but I think options are a great, great way to actually protect yourself in the middle of the froth where, frankly, you know, as we see here, you've got a situation where M&A is heating up, and, and that could be not just Constellation Brands. Dom mentioned Diageo's coming in. Bottom line, multinational, strategics. No longer is this playing defense. It's probably these guys playing offense. And I think that obviously means that the top three or four players who could be a reasonable takeout because they have scale are the ones that are in play. Again, valuation challenges, absolutely. Look, we had valuation challenges before that Constellation deal. The cool thing about this is actually Constellation looks like they actually stole something here. That stock is up 21% since they paid a 50% premium to levels that frankly made no sense. Valuations only make sense if you think that this is an international story and that these companies are actually part of a global market, which they absolutely are. And again, the USA is the next play. And let's be clear, what's happening right now is not only is this market beginning to fast forward on the legislative front, New York, I think, will be fully wrecked within a year and a half. New Jersey's about to go. The East Coast is about to go. Um, the U.S. market is 10 times, possibly 15 times that of Canada. You want to be in the U.S. What we're seeing cannabis traders do is they're rotating into the U.S. names, and that's something that ultimately I think you want to take a look at. But again, let's get back to Canopy because this has been an ungodly move, and hopefully you've been long it. We've been talking about this stock on the show. Really, look, this is... This is the move right here from that Constellation announcement. And really, from here on in, this is all the last few days. The whole sector is on fire, Mike. I'd like to hear what you can do with this. I'll tag you. I'll fist bump you. 
Let's do it. All right. Well, here's the thing. Obviously, what we've seen is that the stock has made this really sharp move here. And so one of the things we want to do is avoid a risk of a move back down. But warrants, which is part of that exposure, what are warrants? They're options. And so we're going to use options to, to, to make a play here in case you think that this could go a little bit higher. Bearing in mind that, as Tim pointed out, the valuation of the stock is extremely high. The valuation of the options, also extremely high. So how can we get long this stock and reduce our risk. And the way you can do that, I was looking out to October, you could buy the 47 and a half 60 call spread. You'd spend $4 for these 47 and a half calls, sell the 60s against it for $1.35 net net. You're spending $2.65. You get near upside exposure by selling this very high price option. And take a note, by the way, you're looking at probably 25% worth of upside that you're going to be able to capture from the stock's current price while you're risking, you know, call it 6% of the current stock price. So that's really the risk-reward relationship we're looking at here. We've seen that the stock can obviously make these kinds of sharp moves. So far, they've only been made in one direction, but this way we're mitigating the risk <coughs> if it doesn't go the same way. Dan's in Colorado, ground zero for a pot yeah. in the U.S. What do you think, Dan? Don't do drugs, stay in school. But here's the deal, if it's legal and you're of age, fine, have at it, uh, maybe up in Canada, maybe here in Colorado. Here's the deal with this trade. I think it's actually pretty interesting. You know, the stock's at an all-time high. There's been a lot of news around it. I think there's a scarcity situation here, obviously, one of the reasons why um, you're seeing this have a $10 billion market cap up in a straight line over the last month, especially with that Constellation deal. The, the width of the trade is really interesting. Mike just said you could make you know, up to 10 bucks between now and October expiration. But more importantly, this thing breaks even a little above 50. We don't generally look at defined risk trades that break even that far out of the money, except for a stock that has the ability to move like that. This trade reminds me a lot of some of the trades we did last year in Square, for instance. I think Mike did a couple of them. Reaching a little bit for a story that has so much momentum and there's a bit of scarcity and they seem to work as long as the music's still playing. Mike, last word. Yeah, I mean, the idea here is essentially you're trying to capitalize on the hockey stick move that this thing is making and not ignoring the risk that it might not continue because these parties do end eventually, and you don't feel so good usually when those parties do end. All right. Thanks, guys. Still ahead, got a question for one of the traders. You can send us a tweet at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll read it later in the show. We're live in the NASDAQ and Times Square. Much more Options Action right after this. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. It's time to take a look back on some of our open trades. Last week, Dan said Alibaba was gearing up for a breakout on its earnings. Baba is down about 18% from its highs. It's flat on the year. It's down in sympathy, I think, with Chinese uh, equity sentiment. You could buy the October 175.205 call spread, paying $8 for that, buying one of the October 175 calls for uh, 970 and selling one of the 205 calls in October at $1.70. Well, the stock did jump on the initial report before selling off. So, Dan, do you, do you still see a breakout ahead? Well, here's the thing, Mel. It was really more playing for a bounce off of really key support with really bad sentiment. And I got to tell you, initially, <laughs> the stock's reaction was pretty fantastic after the print, but it was downright horrible afterwards. So this is one of the reasons why, actually, it makes sense to kind of define your risk into a very controversial story like this into an event. Here's what I do now. This spread, which was 30 wide, 
right around the same levels, cost about $8. Today, it's worth a little more than $7. What I would do here is I would buy to cover that upper end call, the 205 <laughs> call, at about 70 cents, and then I would actually roll it down a little bit, and I would sell the October 195 call at $1.70. So I'm taking in an additional dollar here, reducing the cost of the spread. So now it's $20 wide for seven bucks. That's It's basically at the money. I still like the risk reward here. You know, Dan, Dan, I have a quick question for you, because now that the news is out, I absolutely agree that you should look to try to take more premium in on this thing. It looks to me like there could be some level of support in the stock around 165 or slightly higher. I wonder whether something you could add to that would also be a short put of similar duration out there. So you essentially have a short strangle on that long call. Yep. You're going to be collecting more than you're paying day in, day out if you did that. Yeah, that's a great point, Mike, and it goes back to your trade idea with Lulu. Is like It depends how convicted you are at this moment. If you are willing to add risk, other than the long premium that you've already committed to this, and by adding risk, meaning selling a downside put, a point in which you would be put to stock and have losses below it, added on to that premium that would go poof if the stock goes down lower. So it really depends on conviction. And I'll just say this. The way the stock traded since opening up $10 after its earnings – I'm not so certain you add additional risk right here. Well, Dan, I'd like to call. I, certainly, you know, since September, the stock's been in that range you're talking about. So collecting premium, and I don't know what the catalyst is, but are, are you paying too much for vol here? Uh, obviously, again, if you're taking in premium, that's working towards you. But is, is there something about the nature of what's going on in China right now or in emerging markets that either works for you or against you in this trade? Well, it's interesting, Tim. The vol is actually working for you. You know, if you think about it week on week, this trade is down only a dollar. It cost eight. It's worth about seven right now. And we had the event. Normally, after yeah. an event, you would see premium come out of this sort of thing. So right now, the high vol is actually benefiting this trade. It's keeping me in the game a little bit. All right. Up next, your tweets and the final call from the options pits. Welcome back to Options Action. It's time to take your tweets. We've got a tweet by Los oh. Angeles who's got a message for Tim. I thought you needed a coat for this hey. show. Tim Seymour can at least wear his vest. You know what? I, I should have vested up. This this is a well-dressed crew, by the way, and I, I completely missed my call today. I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed. I mean, look at Mike with his pockets square and everything. I mean, I don't know about hey, that. I'm, I'm, also a fan of, I'm a fan of vests, too, though. I've been known for that. That's um, true. All right. Time for the final call. Dan. Yeah, I like Intel call calendars into the fall. Mike. I also like the Intel call calendar. And Tim. This is a smart show. I, it, was great, it was great to be here. I hope I'm invited back. You will be. Thanks for joining us, Tim. That does it for us here on Options Action. Don't go anywhere. Mad Money starts right now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.